Hey friends, it's episode 302 of the Keto Diet Podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. How is it that I've created 302 episodes? Wow, just mind-blowing. Today we are chatting all about hormones, specifically high estrogen. Now before you completely freak out because you think that you have high estrogen, I highly recommend testing and not guessing when it comes to your hormones. And I love today's episode where we go through all the things you can do and adjust in order to support your estrogen. There's a lot of food recommendations that we go through today that would be helpful no matter who you are, but I highly recommend when you're you're supplementing or incorporating things like DIM that you know your levels before you test. If you want to go a little bit deeper on testing and such, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. And I'd love to answer your questions in regards to this. Um, I take this stuff really seriously because I've either had clients work with me and say, yeah, I just started taking DHEA because I thought maybe I was low or I just started supplementing with DIM because I was sure that I had estrogen dominance and it actually causes more issues. So always test. Don't guess. If you want to learn more about that, you can always contact me, Health healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. All the links for today's episode are going to be in the show notes, including the estrogen dominance quiz, herbs for estrogen dominance, and our guest's book called Overcoming Estrogen Dominance. So our guest today is Magdalena Shulaki, and she is the founder of Hormones Balance, a thriving online community dedicated to helping women balance hormones naturally. Magdalena is a nutrition coach, certified herbalist, and published best-selling cookbook author, speaker, and educator. She has a long history of hormonal challenges. Her health crisis was the direct result from a highly stressful life in advertising, starting from Graves and Hashimoto's disease, autoimmune conditions causing thyroid failure, to total burnout and estrogen dominance. Today, she is in full remission, lives without symptoms, and teaches women how to find their hormonal balance with her books, online programs, and education. Again, I will include links to all of her work in the show notes. If you're unsure where show notes are to this episode or other podcasts that you listen to, just click around, see if you can find those links. If you can't, you can always go to Google and type in show notes and then the app you're using. And there should be a tutorial on how to find show notes. And I, as a podcast listener, love show notes. Hosts often put a lot of really good notes and links and resources in there if you want to go deeper into the conversation. So if you are all about estrogen dominance today and you are loving this conversation, be sure to check out those links. Okay, let's get to today's episode. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Hi, Magdalena. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. It's, it's good to see you. And I'm so impressed that you're on a boat and yet you can do this every time. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Lots of coordinating required. Today, we're going to be talking about estrogen dominance, which I know a little bit about. In my case, I'm more lower in estrogen, but we were talking before starting this recording and you said you can still be low estrogen and still be estrogen dominant. So I can't wait to learn from you today. And I'd love to just start off. I started with your um, bio ahead of this, but I'd love to just get in your words, who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about to get us started. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we start telling our story from the time we were diagnosed with something pretty dramatic. And for sure, for me, this was in 2008 when I was living in China. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, and which is an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid. But I could also feel like I had a whole barrage of other things going on. I certainly had estrogen dominance, which we're going to talk about the symptoms, you know, and I just didn't know I had it back then. But really, you know, when I look back at my life, there was just so many things that left to that point because your hormones and your immune system don't just fail in 2008 it all typically happens 10 15 20 years prior and you know for me it was like a perfect storm of being um not being a breastfed baby having antibiotics right from the for the first month and being in a hospital for extended periods of time always having a lot of skin problems and a lot of eczema psoriasis a lot of them as a teenager covered in acne. You know, I didn't realize back then it was all because of food sensitivities and all these food sensitivities were causing horrendous digestive issues. I was chronically constipated. When, you know, when I stand sideways, you, you, I looked like I was three months pregnant after having a latte or having a, you know, um, pasta and, and it was, uh, you know, the, and then later as an, as an adult, being a competitive athlete and getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go training and then, you know, working in advertising and going, working till like 9 p.m. and then going for drinks with friends. And, you know, it's just like, sometimes when I think about it, it's like, what was I thinking? But it's just like the perfect storm of digestive issues, you know, genetic component to it for sure. And lifestyle really choices, right? Of not resting. And I used to say, I'll sleep when I die, you know? So this was 10, 12 years ago when I had a major career change at 12 years ago. And, and that's when, you know, I, I started Hormones Balance and uh, developed my own platform uh, that I run today called Hormones Balance. It's a platform to help, helps women balance hormones naturally. And like a lot of us in this space, you know, we start on doing this work because of the passion and mission that we got on because of our own health, right? And so I had to figure it out. You know, mind you, 10 years ago, or 2008, so 12 years ago, there was no resources like today that, that, you know, you can just go on Amazon and buy a book from Isabella Wendt about Hashimoto's. And, you know, you can look up my stuff if you have estrogen dominance. There was no such resources back then. And so, you know, I think many of us have just gone through the whole process of creating that for ourselves. And then you realize later, wait, it's not just me having Hashimoto's and problems with estrogen. There is millions of other women, right? And so that's really what led me to, to this point. And you know, fast forward as a, I'm 40, when we are recording this, I'm 48 years old and I definitely feel better than when I was 28, you know, in terms of energy levels, quality of sleep. I don't have anxiety attacks anymore. You know, I don't have issues with my weight. I don't have issues with brain fog. And so, you know, a lot of changes obviously have, have happened. A lot of it is to do with nutrition, lifestyle changes, just really honoring the body, listening to the signals that it's giving us. And so here, here I am today. 
you just described my 20s. Well, basically my life also, you know, just like I'll sleep when I die, waking up at four o'clock in the morning to go for a four hour workout, just all those things. And you're right. When we're dealing with a health issue, it's usually not what we did in the last year. It's what we did 10 years, 15 years, 20 years before. Now you mentioned estrogen dominance and I did also in the intro. I'd love to just for you to display describe what estrogen dominance is. Yeah. So, you know, a few in the past few years, I really pivoted my entire platform towards really talking about estrogen dominance a lot more because from the symptoms I'm going to mention in a second, you realize that there's almost no women listening to this podcast who doesn't suffer from this, <laughs> you know? And, and so, and no one is really talking about it in is as much of a comprehensive, uh, loud voice as, as, um, as I'm doing right now. So, so let's talk about the symptoms, right? You know, is there anything from like the very, let's say, um, visible things like, for example, the fact that you might be struggling with your weight around your, uh, your hips and your butt, right? And you hit the gym and you change your diet and yet the satellite and fat, you, you know, your typical pear shaped kind of a woman. Well, guess what? Pear shaped women are tend to be very estrogenic. And so if your tendency is to put on weight in, in that, in that area, uh, you probably tend to be more estrogenic and that could be genetic elements to it uh, versus let's just contrast this to someone who has an apple, sh- apple apple shape right that person is tend to have a bit more of a metabolic issue and and high have high testosterone levels or dhea levels so um so that's you know and then everything from if you're having these red uh, varicose veins that are really popping out on your on your face and every time you go to get your facial your lady you know your facial lady is telling you like oh you've got these red you know we can we can do all sorts of uh, cosmetic procedures on them, right? That doesn't really solve the issue. You're still ex- having, that's a sign of estrogen dominance. Let's talk about some like the women's stuff that's going on. Anyone who's got period issues. So whether it's a very heavy period, whether it's period that's absent and it just shows up whenever. Uh, so you have highly irregular periods or you have incredibly painful periods, so much so that you were in fetal position. And that was me, you know, always being out of school for the first day of my period or uh, at work in a fetal position with, you know, five Tylenols throughout the day in order to get you through the day. Those are all signs of, uh, they could be definitely estrogen dominance plays a big role. Women have fibroids. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of the most painful emails that we receive is from women who had a full hysterectomy, even a partial hysterectomy done because of fibroids. And, then later finding out, you know, my website and, and saying like, oh my God, I didn't realize I could have done these 20 different things pretty easily to shrink that fibroids, right? And so, you know, Western medicine's answer to fibroids is obviously to either watch it <laughs> and then and then if it's growing or if it doesn't shrink, then to remove the uterus. So a lot of younger women, you know, endometriosis is also can be a sign of estrogen dominance combined probably also with inflammation as, and an immune component to it. The, the thing about the, you know, the changes we're going to talk about later, all of that is going to help things like endometriosis. Uh, I mean, it's one of the most painful conditions a woman has, uh, can have. I remember my, you know, this is 20 years ago, my roommate had uh, endometriosis and they induced menopause uh, in her. She was like in her mid twenties in order to help her manage her pain. Right. And what happens with menopause? I mean, you're basically suppressing estrogen. It was the estrogen that was causing it. And it's not the excess of estrogen. So let's talk about that later. But it's how you break down that estrogen that really matters. So, you know, those are some of the, the big ticket items. And 
I would say also a lot of things like, for example, women having a lot of anxiety, having sleeplessness. You know, you suddenly, especially for, you know, those listeners who are like 45 and above, you suddenly, you know, you're always a very good sleeper. And suddenly the minute you hit 45, you wake up in the middle of the night and you just can't go back to sleep. And that's also another, that could also be due to estrogen dominance in a specific form that's that's due to too low of a progesterone. So that's, it's, a, it's a one type of the one type of estrogen dominance that can happen. So, you know, I mean, you tell me who is, who doesn't have some of those conditions in some way or another, right? I mean, it's almost every woman you know in your life who's struggling with those. I've been pretty vocal about my choice to stop using ButcherBox and switch to Belcampo, and these sorts of bold statements get me into conflict, but it's totally worth it. I take my job really seriously, and I never want to recommend something that's lost its luster and has you purchasing and trusting in the wrong thing. So Belcampo has their meats independently tested for purity and nutritional data, and on a quarterly basis, they post the results directly on their website so you can check it out. This quarter's results are in, and they are astounding. Belcampo grass-fed beef averages a 1 to 1.2 omega-3 to 6 ratio, while conventional beef has an omega-3 to 6 ratio of a 1 to 30. 30 of omega-6. And... Not all 100% grass-fed beef is created equally. They've tested beef from others with the grass-fed quote-unquote label and found ratios averaging 1 to 12 of omega-3 to 6. Now, this just tells us how inflammatory these meats are. The lower the omega-6, the better. So Belcampo's grass-fed beef averaging 1 to 1.2 omega-3 to 6 ratio is incredible. Their beef has the same ratio of omega-3 to 6 as wild game meat. Ah, this is totally rare in the business where brands slap on the grass-fed label and don't stand behind the quality, but they sure charge you for it. Belcampo pasture-raised pork has 25 times the amount of omega-3s of conventional pork and a ratio of 2 to 1 of saturated to unsaturated fat. Belcampo's pasture-raised chicken has 20% higher protein per serving. The list goes on and on and on and on. I'm so thankful for Belcampo, their true commitment to quality, and for the 20% discount they've offered to all of us so that we can give them a try and fall in love with them just like I have. Oh my word. Get 20% off with the code KDP on your first purchase, excluding sale items over at bellcampo.com slash KDP. Again, that's code KDP for 20% off when you go to bellcampo.com slash KDP. Mm, and you mentioned brain fog earlier that you're not living with brain fog. It was that because of the estrogen dominance and getting that under control also? You know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't attribute brain fog directly to estrogen dominance so much. It's more to do, I think it was taking care of my Hashimoto. So thyroid, low thyroid conditions generally cause a lot of brain fog. So I would attribute that more towards the uh, fixing the thyroid. Mm. And do you find that with estrogen dominance, like you just said, are there other hormone things at play sometimes where it's kind of just there are multiple other things or maybe a couple other things as opposed to just one thing, which is estrogen dominance when it comes to hormones? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really important question because, you know, your your hormones don't work in isolation, right? It's like this perfect orchestra that is playing together. And, you know, if you've been to 
a bad concert, like maybe in high school, that's <laughs> in the midst of a rehearsal, you know, that if the trumpet guy screws up, right, it's like everybody else is kind of domino effect on everyone else. And so with the hormones, it's exactly the same way. So estrogen, a lot of times is connected to thyroid conditions. So I'm glad you mentioned that. A lot of times um, what's interesting is that when you have, have high estrogen levels, or especially some of those dirty estrogens, those high metabolites that are un, uh, unbenefic not beneficial to us. What that causes is it elevates a binding, the thyroid binding globulin, which then binds up a lot of the thyroid hormones. So basically the short version of it is that high estrogen can lower your thyroid uh, function. So yes, absolutely. You can also have, you know, um, estrogen and progesterone are like two dancing partners, you know, and they are kind of sparring constantly together. And so, you know, when you have low progesterone, which is something that's very normal for women going into perimenopause or even just the fact that you're hitting that 40 mark and especially 45, like any woman will say that, you know, from the minute they reach 45, just everything changes in, in a body. And a lot of it is to do with hormones, right? So progesterone and lowering progesterone, progesterone coming down definitely makes estrogen dominance even more pronounced. This is the reason why, you know, one of the big symptoms um, I forgot to mention is the estrogenic cancers. And so if you think about it, like breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, and lung cancer in non-smokers are all driven by estrogen. So majority of you're talking about 85% of cancers in the United States is either estrogen receptor positive or progesterone, uh, progesterone receptor positive. That means that estrogen or progesterone, but most of the time is estrogen is the culprit, is what drives the proliferation of the cancer cells in the breast. Lumpy breasts, fibrocystic breasts are also due to um, estrogen dominance. And so, you know, to your point about what else plays a role, I mean, that is the you know, it really is a whole combination of, of a lot of those factors. Brilliant. And so we were talking a little bit ago, and you mentioned it also as describing things, how can you be estrogen dominant, but still have, you know, maybe you go to the doctor and they test your estrogen, estradiol usually, um, mm -hmm. and it comes back as low and you're like, okay, not a problem. It, could it still be a problem? And how do you know? How can you be low and high? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. That's a great question. So, you know, we have a quiz on our website that measure that is, is, has got seven sections and it's basically trying to assess seven different hormonal imbalances. And one of the sections is um, that measures, um, you know, hypothetically, uh, measures low estrogen. And the other one is about estrogen dominance, right? So then when a person gets the result, and I cannot tell you how many women we have who email us saying, your quiz sucks. <laughs> like It doesn't make any sense whatsoever because you're telling me that I'm low on estrogen, which is true because I'm going through like massive menopause right now. But at the same time, I'm showing signs of estrogen dominance. For example, I'm, I'm finding lumps in my breast. I've got, I've developed an estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, right? Because remember breast cancers, most of, most of the time don't happen in young women and happen in older women. So the question is older women, their estrogens and progesterone, all, generally all hormones go down, right? How can you still have, how can you get breast cancer when your hormones are low, right? And this is where the explanation of estrogen dominance comes in, even though, and so they, 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 they answer to, so it's not like our quiz sucks. Um, we did a we did a better job in explaining it in the answers. Not everybody, of course, reads them. 
But since I have your attention here today, let me just explain that even though your estrogen can, be, can decline, the way we're breaking down those estrogens make a difference. So let's just pose this for a second and let me give you like a very visual comparison so, or an analogy here. Imagine you're sitting by a river and there is this river that's flowing and there's a bank in the middle of a river. And this river goes through the bank and the bank splits up the river to clean river and a dirty river, okay? So in the body, guess what? The organ that is like the bank in the middle of a river is our liver. And so the liver separates those good estrogens. So those are like the beneficial metabolites. We call it metabolites because it's basically what happens in the liver. You're breaking down those estrogens to, and I, just for simplicity, I'm just going to call it clean estrogens and dirty estrogens. And those dirty estrogens are the problem. And the more taxed your liver is, the more of those dirty estrogens you're going to have. And guess what? As we age, it's pretty normal that our liver gets kind of taxed, right? Especially if you don't support it regularly, you don't do a couple of detoxes or, you know, don't do your castor oil packs, you don't poop on a regular basis, all of that is going to clog it up. And hormones are going to be the first one to suffer from it um, extensively. So let me just circle back to your question. So does it make sense now when I, does it make sense when I say that even though your estrogens drop, the way you're breaking them down, even the little that you have, how we break them out is, is still done in a way that is you're producing too many of those dirty estrogens. And that's the reason why women with breast cancers are often low in estrogen overall, yet they have breast cancer. The second reason it can happen is that there is another form of estrogen dominance, which is basically the comparison of, is basically the amount of progesterone there is to oppose estradiol specifically. So you mentioned estradiol. Estradiol is like the most, there's various types of estrogens that we know a lot about the three. So the one you mentioned, estradiol, is the most aggressive form of estrogen. And, and it's not too, you know, Leanne, I just want to say, I, I just I, one thing I don't want people to do from after this podcast is to demonize estrogen. Because let me just say that you need estrogen to function as a woman. We need it for our, our cycles. If you're still cycling, we need it for, and if you're not, not, even if you're not cycling, for good mental function, for your bone health, for your cardiovascular health, to have nice plump skin that doesn't sag, all of that is the, the job of estrogen. So let's not demonize it. It's just the, the nuance is, like I said initially, think about the breakdown, how you're breaking down those estrogens. And the second thing is how much progesterone do you have to oppose that estradiol, which tends to be very loud in most, most women. And that's something that, again, you know, when, you, when we look at an average woman after 45, not just estrogen drops, but progesterone drops too. But guess what? Progesterone drops a lot faster than estrogen. A lot, a lot, a lot faster. So maybe in your 30s, you were like fairly balanced estrogen to progesterone. But as you age, even though they both drop, you have like so much of estrogen, but you, but you have like that much of progesterone, like tiny, tiny bit. And that's the reason why when women go on bioidentical progesterone, uh, or do certain supplements that help them naturally boost progesterone, uh, it can create really great results. CBD oil, I'm sure you've heard of it, and maybe you've been a bit overwhelmed by the options or you're concerned it'll get you high. Now, my family's been supplementing with CBD oil going on four years, and I'm impressed with the results. And no, we don't get high on the stuff, and neither will you. 
Why do we use CBD oil? Well, it's a powerful anti-inflammatory, reducing joint issues, inflammatory acne, and gut distress. Eaton Hemp makes the highest possible quality CBD oil, are transparent in their production processes, and are one of the first USDA certified organic hemp companies, ensuring all you're getting in your oil is CBD not pesticides. Blah. No, thank you. Eaton Hemp uses hemp seed oil as a carrier for the CBD, which ensures higher potency, effectiveness, terpenes, and cannabinoids. These are all good things. Now, what I love most about Eaton Hemp is they stand behind their product. If you buy it and you don't like it, or you don't get the results that you're looking for, they will give you a refund. All you got to do is use it in the first 30 days and let them know in those first 30 days, no questions asked, they will give you your money back. Now they put together a super special offer for our listeners. If you go to eatenhemp.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet, you will get 20% off all of their CBD products. Again, that's code keto diet at eatenhemp.com slash keto diet for your 20% off and your 30 day money back guarantee. Brilliant. Oh my gosh. You're just fantastic. I have so many questions. Um, I guess the first one being the metabolites. I know that there are tests to tests of how many metabolites you have. Would it be fair to say that the less metabolites you have, the worse off you are? Like you kind of want a balanced amount, but is it good to have more metabolites than less metabolites? It depends. No. Um, so okay. it, yeah. So you just want them broken down in a good ratio and these metabolites are always going to be there. Your, your liver is always going to be breaking them down. The question is how much, and there is tests like, you know, just in case your listeners are curious, I, my favorite is urine test called Dutch D-U-T-C-H. A lot of functional doctors can order that. And that shows you how well you're breaking down estrogens and which ones are the problematic ones and which ones are the are the beneficial ones. So, yeah. Okay. So it's all about the ratio, less about the amount, but just having the ratio, I believe there's three main metabolites, right? And if, if the ratio is off, then that's what the concern is you're saying. Correct. There's a two, four and 16 hydroxyestrone. Like if you want to go more technical and, and uh, two and four are the problematic one, 16 is the safe one. So it's basically mm -hmm. how, how much you, and you know, the lab will have markers to show you what is a safe level and when is, when is too much. And I will say just on testing, cause that's a common issue, you know, when I was in private practice and you kind of alluded to that as well earlier about how you get your lab work done, your blood test, and then it comes back and you're like, Oh, you know, and your doctor's like, Oh, it looks great. Like no problem. And I wasn't, when I was in private practice, I remember women coming with their lab work, blood work for uh, the steroid hormones, such as estrogen, progesterone, and saying, look, it looks perfect. Um, my doctor says, I have no problem, right? And this woman is like fibroids. She's got a history of breast cancer. You know, her period is all over the place. She's got like the severe bleeding, like she bleeds for 20 days a month, right? But she's told there's no problem. And so the, prob the problem here is that you do not measure your steroid hormones so like things like progesterone, estrogen, cortisol, DHEA, testosterone, you do not want to measure that through blood. Blood is a very, very ineffective way of showing you anything. That point is great for thyroid, is great for other hormones, but not for steroid hormones. So uh, that's just a word of caution because it is, it gives you a false negative. 
Mm. So what I'm hearing you say so far is that proper testing is key and understanding your symptoms are key. You know, if you go in for a test and then it says you're low and you're like, I'm fine. But if you're having all these symptoms that you've listed, that's also a red flag. You mentioned a little bit ago, just in passing dirty estrogens. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so dirty estrogens are the metabolites that are causing all these symptoms we're talking about. So they are the ones that attach themselves to the receptors. And for example, like in the case of breast cancer, lumpy or fibrocystic breast, which so many women suffer from, you know, and again, we are told like it's perfectly normal, right? Like come and watch and see what happens. Uh, let me not also forget thyroid nodules. For those women who have thyroid nodules, that's also due to estrogen dominance. And what are we told? Like just wait and see and come back in six months. And then, you know, it doesn't go away. You remove your thyroid, right? And then you want thyroid mats for the rest of your life. So, so those metabolites that you were asking about, they are the ones who work on a receptor in proliferation of the, of, the, of the cells, whether they are just malignant cells, uh, or their cancerous cells. And so, you know, that's, um, and, and the fascinating thing is, because it might sound a little bit disempowering thing, like, do you ask what do I do? You know, it's um, one of the biggest aha moments I had in my own journey was when I went to see a functional doctor. I was so lucky. This was like probably about seven, eight years ago. And she said to me, you've got to look at your, because I was super estrogenic. Like we, we ran the test. It, it wasn't Dutch because Dutch wasn't around back then. Uh, we had, had some saliva testing done and it was already indicative of a problem. And um, she says, you, you need to work on your liver. Like your liver needs some serious TLC. And here's a fascinating thing is there are a number of different liver pathways, the phase one liver detoxification, phase two liver detoxification. They play a paramount you know, role in really helping you neutralize. Yeah, neutralize those those metabolites or skew them towards more towards the positive ones, the beneficial ones, and not, the, not those um, pathogenic ones. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. So why do you feel like this sounds so serious and quite, I don't want to say simple, but, but like the information is there, you've written a book on it and we have all these details. Why do you think this isn't talked about more? Like why, why are you the only person talking about this? Why aren't there tons of books about this? Like, what do you think is going on? Like, why, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I am, I am not sure. Um, I think it's like, 10 years ago, you know, nobody was talking about thyroid. And then suddenly, you know, Dr. Karazian came up with a book and then Dr. Isabella Wentz came up with a book and then Ellen Christensen, and, you know, like one person after, I think it's just a matter of time before maybe somebody picks up the megaphone and starts talking about it. You know, I mean, are you talking about like the functional medicine is not talking about it or the Western medicine, like the conventional allopathic yeah, more the conventional, like if we know that this is an issue, I mean, we know that there are lots of issues that they're not talking about, but I guess yeah. I, the reason I'm asking this question is because many, many, many women, like the most common question that I get and email and communication that I get with people who listen to the show is this episode was so good. 
but my doctor doesn't believe in it, won't support me. I don't know where to go. How do I do this myself? And when it comes to hormones, it gets very complicated very quickly. And yeah. sometimes you need medical support. So I guess I just wanted to pick your brain on how people can move forward with that and feel encouraged to do the work that we're about to get into of like how to do all of this. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I wrote the book, right? You know, overcoming estrogen dominance, something that you can, you can do it at home and start it off with, you know, one of the things I really love about estrogen dominance is the fact that it is, it is, I feel like one of the easiest hormonal problems to overcome fire easier than, for example, PCOS or having Hashimoto's, which is so multifactorial. I feel like with estrogen dominance, you can get quick results pretty quickly. And we can talk about that. And and, and so, you know, to your point, why, I mean, this is like the same thing, like, why is there no answer to diabetes? You know, why are we pe people pe putting people on metformin and other drugs where, and no one talks about, you know, um, about diet change, right? I think it's, it's pretty consistent throughout Western medicine. But anyway, I mean, I, I, that's why I've decided that, you know, it's, um, it's time to take charge. And, and, you know, for people who need medical attention, I would say work with a functional doctor. Even a lot of functional docs don't quite understand estrogen dominance as much, but just, you know, maybe pick somebody who can do a phone consult who specializes in hormones if you feel like you need that. But I will say that, you know, there's just so many things you can do before you even, like, especially if money is tight, right? And, you know, a functional doc will charge anything from 300 to $900 for a session, right? Depending on where and who that person is that you can save yourself that money just by doing the first steps on your own just to see the results. And, you know, it really is quite, um, quite simple. And I will say, you know, one other thing I just want to share with you before maybe we talk about solutions is that I have all the genes, you know, for, and I talk about in my, my book, like all the genes that you want to look out for <clears throat> that you might have that really make estrogen dominance really, really bad. And I never really understood why is it that most of the, most of, most of the time I'm really good. You know, I, stick to an anti-inflammatory diet. I control my, I don't do caffeine. I don't drink coffee. Sorry. I do a tiny bit of caffeine, but no coffee. You know, I, alcohol is very much controlled. Right. And then I go to Italy. Like I go to Portugal. Right. And like for that one month, I just go a little silly, like not even very silly, like just a tiny bit silly. Right. So it's like maybe wine, glass of wine every day, but it's like everybody drinks wine there every day. So I'm like, I just want to be like the Portuguese, right? And then I'm going to have like, I'm going to have the pasta, like the, you know, like a regular pasta from my grandma in Sicily, like, cause she just made it at the back of the store. Like, I don't want to do gluten-free. I just want to do like, a, you know, wheat pasta, right? And, you know, and I do this for a month and I'm just silly for a month. And, and, you know, and then I have like the estrogen dominance from, from, like, you know, my period is horrendous. My boobs are like swollen, right? I can't put my bra on. My mood is all over the place. I'm really mean. You know, when I'm ovulating, instead of being like nice and whatever and sweet and open, I'm just like, Aah! right? And so, so, but here's the thing. And, you know, ever since I did my genetic testing, and I remember the first person who interpreted that for me, she wrote and she says, because I was testing about, I was curious about something else. And she told me, she's like, you don't need to be concerned about anything. You just watch on your estrogen dominance because you have a problem metabolizing estrogen, lady. And, and I remember, you know, that makes sense because both sides of my family, my dad's sister passed away from estrogen and cancer. My aunt on, on anyway, both sides of the family have deaths, women from estrogen and cancer, ovarian, uterine, and breast cancers. And it's suddenly there's this light bulb went off in my head going, oh, no wonder I'm so sensitive. You know, I just have those genes that are just not metabolizing estrogen very well. And so, you know, so I just want to share this with our audience because 
Some of us might be more prone to becoming estrogenic really quickly. And you just have to exercise some level of kindness and forgiveness towards yourself. You're just genetically built that way. I would rather know about it now. And, you know, when, you know, when I went to see my functional doctor here in, I live in Boulder in Colorado, and it was like a few years ago. And I went there with my whole, you know, printouts of labs. And, and then she was, she's slipping through it while we were chatting. And she says, she's looking at my genes and she said, have you had breast cancer? I'm like, no, why would you ask me that? She says, well, with your genes, 45 years old, by now, if you were like a regular patient, you would have had breast cancer by now. So I think, you know, I think I dodged the bullet just because I teach this stuff and I, and I, you know, I didn't want to be like my aunts on both sides of my family. And so, you know, so we need to put a little bit more work. Some of us do, but it's, it's quite incredible how preventable and manageable estrogen dominance can be. And there's so much hope there. It sounds like to kind of have all everyone listens to genes. We actually have an episode coming up uh, talking about epigenetics and the control that we have over things to kind of know things so that we can action those things. And so I have certain genes where I know that if I don't eat a certain way or do certain things, it could be kind of bad for me, but you know, having that information, then you can make proper adjustments so that you dodge that bullet. And I'm really glad that you brought that up only because sometimes when we're talking about these serious things like scary stuff, like breast cancer, people hear, I'm going to get it. There's nothing I can do, but that's not what I'm hearing from you. So I'm glad that you really, yeah, I'm glad that you really, really highlighted that. And I think now is a great time to talk about like, what can we do to turn this around? It sounds like there are a couple things. One is the estrogen piece. One might be also helping with the metabolite balance. Can we just kind of talk about What are the steps we can use in addition to purchasing your book? (laughs) Right. You know, I I would say the first thing is I suspect your audience are not that that audience, but I will just say it anyway. If you're using any synthetic stuff, such as smells, such as perfumes that, you know, from your Dior and you're spraying it right here and you're spraying it on your thyroid, stop switch over to natural stuff, natural cleaning products. There's so many options right now. There's not an excuse not to do that. If you're having, you know, the thing in a car, people go like, oh, it smells really nice. Those, those synthetic, what do you call that? Um, puri- not purifies. I haven't air. used them for so long. I don't I even know. know, but we're in a rental place right now. And it's like these oh little things. I, yeah. And I, to- I take them out instantly as soon as we get in. <laughs> and so please, if you use any of those kind of things, I mean, this, this is just loaded with xenoestrogens. Those are synthetic kind of estrogens that just really mess you up. And they are the ones that turn into in the body to estradiol, that aggressive estrogen we talked about. So that's not like the first thing you want to just, just do. Your cream, the thing that you put all over your body that gets straight into your lymphatic system, make sure it's just nice and clean. It doesn't contain any chemicals, any phthalates, any parabens in it, et cetera. That's like the basic thing. And then let's talk about supporting your liver. So there's some, some really cool things you can do to support your liver. And, you know, I mean, I have a whole chapter in the book on the liver, but let's just talk about a few really simple things. You know, the bitter, the, the liver loves bitters. I'm an herbalist. And so, you know, I love bitter, uh, bitter, just generally as a taste. Like I could feel like my whole body is just like, whoa, potty time is so, it's so good. You know, parasympathetic nervous system engages. Like it's um, so doing, incorporate some bitter foods into your life. So for example, instead of doing a lettuce in a salad, if you're chopping up a salad today, making a salad, toss away your stupid lattice. Like it's got no nutritional value whatsoever. It tastes like water. So you have to put a lot of like flavors to it to, to make it taste like anything. 
Use something like arugula, for instance, which has got better qualities, right? Chop up some kale into it, again, which has got um, wonderful, better qualities. And the other thing is that, you know, um, any form of parsnips, uh, radishes, just chop those up and then put them into your salad. These liver qualities, the minute your body is going to taste that bitterness, even in the small amounts, it's, it, it provokes production of a lot of really great enzymes and that those enzymes are going to help your digestion is going to support your liver as well. Anything that you do to support your digestion is going to support your liver. Then, you know, the other thing about that are huge when it comes to the liver, as well as just binding up um, everything for, um, you know, those metabolites, those dirty metabolites is cruciferous vegetables. So cruciferous vegetables is the brassica family. So anything from broccoli sprouts, to broccoli, just broccoli had, cauliflower, arugula that I mentioned, turnips, rhubarb, um, not, sorry, not rhubarb, but um, uh, rutabaga, you know, and then you're talking about kale, collard greens, right? All wonderful vegetables. Those are the kind of vegetables you want to incorporate as much as possible. They're also going to help support the liver in metabolizing those dirty estrogens we talked about. The third thing I mentioned, which is a really interesting but controversial food, is flaxseed. The reason why it's controversial is because flax is full of estrogen, right? So here your listeners are going, why are you talking about adding two tablespoons of flaxseed every day when we talked about estrogen being so bad? So remember what I said earlier is that estrogen is not a bad thing. It's just how you break it down makes a big difference. So flaxseed is actually really beneficial for anyone who's low in estrogen, for example, might really feel like you're just having this, this real great energy that you get from that, from that, those, those are called phytoestrogens, so naturally occurring estrogens. What I love about flaxseed is that it's got so many different properties. The first thing is that it gives you, so like we said, natural forms of estrogen, which is awesome. Second thing is that it is also, it's got lignans in it, and it's only in, not in flaxseed oil, but it has to be in the fiber, it's present only in the fiber. And what it does is, check this out, it blocks the receptors of those dirty estrogens. So in the cell, it kind of like closes the door saying, hey, estradiol, I'm not going to let you in. Go away. You need to get pooped out, right? So it basically helps you skew more towards the clean estrogens away from dirty estrogens. I mean, how phenomenal is that? The other thing is that flaxseed is also full of both soluble as well as insoluble fiber. So the soluble fiber is wonderful for all the prebiotic growth in your gut, but the insoluble fiber, it's like a sweep, you know, it's something like a broom that sweeps through your colon and it helps you with, it picks up a lot of those dirty estrogens again, but also it helps you poop better. You know, um, one other chapter that I have on the book, which is also an organ that's really important in, in metabolism of estrogens is the gut. Uh, but since we are talking about the liver, the liver and the gut are really combined together because actually they're all part of the same system if you think about it. The cool thing is that what Flexi does is uh, that fiber helps you poop better and elimination when you're eliminating, not only are you help supporting your digestive system, but also I mean, obviously you feel so much better. You know, nobody likes to walk around constipated for five days, uh, but you're also relieving the liver from having to recycle because when, you, when you're not pooping, folks, you know, when you're constipated, you're basically recycling all your estrogens back and over and over and over again. And so having a really good bowel movement can be super helpful. You know, just two tablespoons of freshly ground or I typically, I don't do it every day because I'm too lazy, but I would just grind up like a little jar, keep it in a fridge so it doesn't get oxidized, it doesn't get too warm. And then putting two tablespoons of that in your smoothie or whatever, you just don't cook with it because heat is going to destroy 
it's not going to be good for the oil uh, that's present in the flaxseed. So just just do it, you know, in your smoothie or just having that in a glass of water. You know, you put that in a glass of water, give it a bit of a spin, and and then drink it up. So, you know, really simple things like that can really make like when you make a conscious effort to incorporate this into your daily life, it really can make a uh, a huge profound difference. And you know, there's 20, 25 other foods. If you want, we can post the link to uh, where folks can download the, there's a whole list of foods. You can just make sure you incorporate that into your daily life and it can make a really big difference in how you feel. Yeah, we'll definitely include that link in the show notes. And as you were talking about flaxseed, why have I never thought to just add it to my drinking water? Like I mix it in with some coconut oil and some salt and I have it as a snack and I actually really love that taste, but I've never thought to put it in my water. (laughs) So thanks for that. Well, one of the things that we have in the book is a recipe for using flaxseed in these truffles. And so instead of having to remember that, you know, it's a very low sugar truffle and, and then you just basically have the truffle every day so that you are covered for your flaxseed, but also has got some like cacao in it for magnesium and you got in giving the fiber and you got a nice treat. So you don't have to, you know, be going and looking for sugar. I could totally do a truffle a day. (laughs) I could definitely do that. So like after incorporating these foods and following your protocols and such, how soon do you notice getting better? And what does that process feel like, look like, what is, what's it like? Yeah. So, you know, it depends on the person, right? And I hate to say that and people hate to hear this like, oh, it depends. But I mean, for some, you know, if, if somebody is menstruating and estrogen dominance manifests in form of menstruation being very difficult or present or absent, sorry, or too heavy. I mean, women start she, feeling the shifts with, as quickly as within two weeks. And um, typically a, like a month of doing the protocol really helps. And, you know, I mean, di- we talked about dietary changes to really like amp up and speed up the process. You know, I do, sup- I do recommend a couple of supplements that really speed up the whole Um, thing, but I really, you know, I use this like a pyramid in my book at the bottom, it says it's a healing pyramid. So like how quickly can you heal? And the bottom of the pyramid says food as first and always, then it followed by herbs, which we have like all over the book, you know, built into recipes. And then a third one that says supplements, right. And then only on top of the thing, which is RX. uh, So prescription stuff or bioidentical hormones. And, you know, I find that supplements, is it okay if we talk about a couple, because I know a lot of women who yeah. are estrogen dominant, like have been put by their, including their, their natural, their functional doctors on dim. And I just want to address that because it does a lot of disservice to women. And so, so let me just, let me just frame this. Dim has been promoted in functional medicine as being the estrogen buster. Right. And so, and so like everybody's like, you've got, you know, you've got estrogen dominance. Okay. Dim. And so women take it and then they feel better either for two weeks, maybe a month, and then it stops. Some feel worse right away. Um, others have like no effect, no results whatsoever, right? So the, the point is that dim in the long term might not work out for everyone. And the reason why that happens is because you need to understand the liver detoxification process, which is consists of two parts, phase one and phase two. Phase one is dim works on phase one, and that's great. And it upregulates the first part of the detoxification pathway. But then what happens is in phase one, all the toxins get decoupled, meaning they are like free floating. In phase two, this is when we have all these different compounds that get attached to them and then carried out through urine, feces, and sweat, right? 
So when you don't have support in phase two liver detoxification, so you just upregulate it at phase one, but then the phase two has got nothing to grab on to these toxins and evacuate them. And I'm specifically talking about estrogen here too, because estrogen also gets metabolized in phase two in three different pathways in a methylation, sulfation, and glucorefination pathway. So you need some support for phase two. And this is why two other supplements can become incredibly helpful. One is called sulforaphane, which is highly present in broccoli sprouts. Many of you have, might have heard like women who have, for example, breast cancer are put on broccoli sprouts extensively, and that's wonderful. I love that idea. The only problem with that is you don't know how much sulforaphane you're getting from, from these sprouts. And unfortunately, when we did testing with, for, you know, when we were doing our supplement for sulforaphane, different broccoli sprouts have different sulforaphane uh, values. And so some of them have very low and some of them had very high. So you just never know what you're going to get. So I'm, I'm a bigger proponent of like, especially if you really have like something like breast cancer, you, you know, ovarian cancer, you have fibroids, you want to shrink really quickly to defer to a supplement because then you know exactly the dose you were getting and you can work through it really quickly. So sulforaphane is one. Uh, the second one is called calcium deglucurate. And those two supplements take care of majority of your detoxification in phase two. So you know, if you want to have a complete cycle of estrogen de uh, detoxification, taking care of all these metabolites is DIM plus sulforaphane plus calcium deglucurate. It's like the trio that really helps. Thank you for letting me explain this because I just didn't want everybody to kind of run off and get DIM, <laughs> you know, and then it's... Uh, and then be disappointed that it's like, eh, you know, it's, it worked for a while. Actually, women start feeling worse. And that's like the worst thing, you know, that can happen. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. I actually just started working with a client a couple of weeks ago and she's been taking DIM for four years and her doctor just put her on it and that was the end of it. It's like, how long have you been taking it? She's like, four years, what else? Nothing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so, so glad that you brought that up. And, and, and where can people find more from you? I know I'm gonna include a bunch of stuff in the show notes, including the quiz that you talked about, um, the food list that you talked about, but where can people get your book, connect with you, find your work, tell us everything. Okay, uh, really simple. My, you know, my website is hormones with an S, hormonesbalance.com, you know, and so, and then the book is available now on Amazon. So just look for overcoming estrogen dominance on Amazon. And if you want me, I'll send you the link to, to the book on Amazon. And that's, that's it. That's, that's simple. And on social, if you just look for hormones balance, you'll find us there on Instagram and on Facebook. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and sharing everything you know about uh, estrogen dominance. And it was really, really great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. 
Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.